I have identified from my personal experience and then also from the scriptures that fasting and prayer are like two independent departments under the same faculty. What am I saying? Oftentimes, some people have taught that when you fast and you do not pray, you are wasting your time. It's a weight reduction exercise. I was taught that way in the 90s. And so much indoctrinated with that kind of teaching that even when I became a prayer leader in the University of Ghana, I was teaching that. And so those who learned those things from me, forgive me, because later on I discovered that, no, I was wrongly taught. Fasting can be independent of prayer, although the two can also work together more effectively. That is to say that for those of us who have been fasting for the past, this is the 15th day of our times of refreshing. In case you have to go to work and therefore you will not have time to pray and therefore in your mind you are wasting your time, you are only going on a hunger strike because you are not praying, you are wrong. Because you will discover from today's teaching that yes, fasting has a role to play in prayer but it can be done independent of prayer it is more effective when you couple it with prayer but that is not to say that if you don't have the opportunity to pray you should not fast that was my case in the university of ghana because as a science student the day we declared fasting in the church where i fellowship with on campus Legon Pentecostals Union. Friday was a day we declare fasting. And Friday was also my busy day in the laboratory as a food science student. So I will go as a prayer general and declare a fast on Sabbath field. We will all gather. Or behind Bam Library. We will all gather and say, this is the period of fasting we declare it. As a prayer general, declare the fast. Everybody's going to fast. But because of the wrong teaching and the indoctrination, I will go and prepare my oats and eat because in my mind, whilst I'm fasting and I'm not praying, I'm wasting my time. Little did I know that I was wrong. I've shared this story before. I don't need to go into the details again. But later on, when I met the servant of God, Prophet Manasseh Atu, without him knowing what I have gone through in the past, he was doing a one-on-one teaching with me and then from out of the blue, from nowhere, he just opened his mouth. Of course, he's a prophet. So he must have known my experience by the spirit. And so some people say that when you fast and you do not pray, you're wasting your time. Exactly as I was taught, he said it the same way. Then he said, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. He said it's a lie about seven times. And as he was saying, it's a lie. It was as though they were removing scales from my eyes. Then for the first time, my eyes opened into the reality that fasting can be independent of prayer, though the two can also work mutually, you know, together. But fasting, as we have been doing for the past 
15 days from the 9th of August. And in case you have not joined yet, this week we are running up. Kindly join because you will benefit from it. If not today, tomorrow, it will be an investment that will speak for you tomorrow. Fasting humbles the soul. The soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the soul, ever since the fall, remember, the uniqueness of the human personality is the soul. God breathed into man and man became a living soul. And the soul is the faculty of the human person that gives you the opportunity to take decisions and make choices which no other creature, including angels, have. But we do have. A human soul, a human being can choose even to say that I give my soul, I sell my soul to Satan. And God cannot stop him or her. However, on the day of reckoning, on the day of judgment, such a person will pay for his own soul. And that will be the person having to join Satan in the everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. So, the soul ever since the fall has been the battlefield in the human personality. Why? Because the soul is indecisive. Should I choose to follow the spirit, which is the real person, or I should should follow the flesh? And ever since the fall of man, the fall of Adam, the flesh, which is a component of the human body, has sought and always sought to lead the way. Meanwhile, God never created the flesh to lead the way. It is the spirit that leads the way when helped by the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit shall come, he shall guide you into all truth. And the Holy Spirit, when received, comes to, or you join yourself to his, um, to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are joined together with him. And he leads you from your spirit. Then your soul follows that direction. And your body, your flesh has no choice than to follow that direction. But if your soul is left unattended to, if your soul is not educated by the word of God and guided by the spirit of God, it can be deceived by the dictates of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the longings of the flesh to take the lead. The flesh can lead your soul astray. Apostle Paul said that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. So when your soul teams up with your flesh, know of a certainty that your mind is corrupted. Your will is subdued by something else other than the spirit of God. And your emotions, that is where you find a weight called guilt weighing your soul down because you yielded your soul to the wrong leader. So guilt comes upon your soul and your emotions will be so down that is where you get to and then if you don't talk to your soul and say my soul why are you quiet within me rise up and praise the lord you will go down 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 and other spirits will come in spirits like depression they will just come in spirits like every kind of spirit can just walk into your life just because your soul has been subdued by the flesh So, when it happens like that, child of God, I'm just teaching you something that is so clear in scripture. And yet, it's not being broadly taught in the body of Christ. When it happens like that, what you need to do is see, my soul, 
you are not a leader. You can't go in the direction of the flesh. So you use fasting to humble. To humble means to bring in submission. You bring your soul in submission to your spirit who is also following the Holy Spirit so that your mind, your will, and your emotions will conform to the will of God, to the mind of Christ instead of the direction of the flesh. But apart from humbling your soul, we have discovered that the word of God also converts the soul. And the word of God helps your mind to be renewed. To renew means to remove the old and replace with the new. Until the old stuff in your mind is removed. Even when you are born again. I mean after you are born again. Until the old stuff is removed and replaced with the new you. The, the new identity that you have become in Christ Jesus. Chances are that you can still lead the old life. Though you were a new man in Christ. So the word of God has a place of converting the soul. The perfect converter from light to and from darkness to light. From unrighteousness to righteousness. From filth to you know flowing with God is the word. And then that will lead you to repentance. See, when you have truly repented, there's something that happens which we're going to talk about today. It makes your prayer more effective than when your soul is in rebellion with your flesh. Why? Because when your soul has not been humbled and converted and you have not truly repented through the help of fasting, what is going to happen is that your soul can become a barrier to the flow of God's spirit from within you instead of being a bridge. Man is a spirit he has a soul and he lives in a physical body. The Holy Spirit, when received, comes to reside in our spirit. You and the Holy Spirit become an inseparable one. Even throughout eternity, you will never see who the Holy Spirit is because he has joined or you have joined yourself with him. So he is one with you in your inner man forever. But the Holy Spirit can be hindered by your own soul from flowing from within you if your soul is not humbled. It's not made to submit to your spirit. Your soul can become a barrier. And when your soul is a barrier, it means that though you have the Holy Spirit and you may even speak in tongues, there is no flow of virtue. There is no flow of God's power. There is no flow of God's spirit. The Holy Spirit, the reason why God gave us his spirit, the ultimate reason, child of God, is so that we will not only benefit from the Holy Spirit, but through us, others will benefit from the Holy Spirit. God chose to vacate the temple made with human hands the day Jesus said it is finished. And ever since, the Holy Spirit, 10 days after Jesus Christ went to heaven, the Holy Spirit is now resident in the human body. He says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? So, whereas the Holy Spirit used to dwell in the temple made with hands, he has vacated that place. 
Now, I am the temple. You are the temple. And he chooses to operate from within me and from within you. But his operation can be hindered. His operation can be stopped. In fact, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. The Holy Spirit can be made quiet. Yes. And that is when you'll be praying in tongues, but you are only making noise because the Holy Spirit is quenched. He is grieved. The Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And another scripture says, don't quench the Spirit. So you can quench the Spirit and you can grieve the Spirit. When it happens like that, it means that the Holy Spirit is in you, but there is no flow. But these times of refreshing have been earmarked by God to prepare us to the place where the Holy Spirit would take over our souls. Now will be next Sunday's message. Take over. So that you can flow. You can sweep over my soul and flow from within me unhindered. Then your physical body becomes the outlet. I hope you know how we use water hose to, you know, draw water from a source. And then water hose is used to, you know, spread or pump of, you know, yeah, pump water around. Your physical body becomes that water hose. The Holy Spirit, when he gains room through your soul, unhindered, he can now see through your eyes. So when you look, it is the look of the spirit. That is when you can look at somebody and the person is convicted. Just that look alone can just make the person feel uncomfortable. That is when you touch and you know it's a touch of the spirit because he has gained room through your hands. That is when even your shadow, like Peter, the Holy Spirit can flow through your shadow so that they can put sick people in the street that per adventure, if you should pass by and your shadow come upon them, they will rise from sickness. That is when your saliva becomes anointed like Jesus who mixed his saliva with sand and then he now gave it into somebody's eye socket who was born without eyeballs and the man got eyes for the first time. That is when your sweat will become so anointed that you can just use aprons and handkerchiefs on your face like Apostle Paul and send it to the sick and the demon possessed. And when the sick comes into contact with those aprons and handkerchiefs, the sick will be healed and the demon possessed will be delivered. These things don't just happen. They happen when your soul has stepped out of the way and it's no longer a barrier but now a bridge through which, or let's say through whom, the Holy Spirit can flow and express himself outwardly in the physical. When that happens and you begin to pray, when your soul is humbled, converted, and you have truly repented, and you begin to pray, there is a supply of the Spirit. And I want to show you some scriptures to see, to show you what prayer does whenever we combine it with fasting. If you are fasting and you are not praying, it's not a waste of time. You are preparing the way. Ultimately, you must add prayer. For instance, what I'm teaching today, we don't have much time. But after this teaching, throughout the day, till we meet in the evening at 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., you can be praying and practicing that. 
And you'll be amazed the results. And even after we are done, you can still be praying and it does not stop the flow of the spirit. So fasting and prayer can be done independently and yet it is more powerful when they are done together. That is all I wanted to say. There are two independent departments under the same faculty. Glory be to God. John chapter 7. Let me read verses 37 through 39. John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Is the Holy Spirit who satisfies the human soul. And there's a test and a longing in the human soul that no one can satisfy except the Holy Spirit. Verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart. The King James says, out of his belly. And the word belly is, of course, the heart. That's the core place. The innermost being. Out of your spirit. Out of your innermost being. Out of his heart will flow rivers. Of living water. Take note of the name. Rivers. Of living water. Not a river. But rivers. And only God knows how many rivers. There are. That flows whenever the Holy Spirit is flowing. Verse 39 actually explains that. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 39 says. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Whom those believing in him. Would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. But he was glorified when he ascended to heaven. And sat at the right hand of his majesty. Ten days after the Holy Spirit was given. And ever since, nobody is supposed to go and wait for another Holy Spirit. Like they were told to go and wait in Jerusalem. They waited for ten days. Ever since, all you need to do is to lambano, to receive the Holy Spirit. You don't go and wait again. You receive the Holy Spirit the same way you receive Christ into your heart. I have taught this before. Some people have said that when you receive Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit. It's a wrong teaching. Go and read the book of Acts chapter 8. And you discover that the Samaritans got converted under the ministry of Philip, the evangelist. And after they were born again, they had not received the Holy Spirit. So they sent John and Peter who went to Samaria and lay hands on them and then they received the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues and prophesied. So the two are not the same. Though it is, I mean both are the work of the Holy Spirit. There's an element of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. But as wells, wells of salvation is different from rivers of living water. If you're going to depend on wells of salvation, that is just for you and you alone. But if you're going to be used by God, because our salvation is not supposed to make us settle here. It is so that God will now use us as instruments of righteousness to make impact in our generation. Then you've got to receive the Holy Spirit in his fullness into your spirit. Then from within you, he flows as rivers of living water. So if you are saved and you are drinking from the wells of salvation, that is for you and you alone. But that makes you so selfish that you don't think about others. How about others through through? through you that God wants to impact. That is why you have to do everything in the power of the Holy Ghost. So you receive the Holy Spirit. He gives you the ability to talk the language of God. Commune with God at his level. And whenever you are communing with God, he is stirred from within you and flows as rivers of living water. 
Somebody said, what shows that whenever we pray, that is when the Holy Spirit flows? Of course, it's not only prayer. I know when we worship also, in sincerity and in truth, when we, our soul is really yielded to God, in worship, our soul submits to the Spirit. Anytime there is a bridge for the Holy Spirit, He flows. But when there's a barrier, He is quiet on the inside. So in worship, in true repentance, in true praise and worship, when we yield our souls under the influence of the Holy Spirit, He also flows. That means that you can always have the Holy Spirit flowing from within you whenever you are in tune with Him. Whenever your soul is subject to your spirit, who is also subject to the Holy Spirit. Whenever there is no barrier, anytime there is a barrier, the sign to know that there is a barrier is guilt. The sign to know there is a barrier is when your conscience is disturbed. Your conscience Unless you allow your conscience to be seared with hot iron. Where God wants you, stop this and you don't stop. Stop this, you don't stop. Stop this, you don't stop. Don't do this, you do it. Don't do it, you do it. A day will come, your conscience will be so seared. You may never know when God is even convicting you. And that's dangerous. Because you will not know when a stray bullet can hit you. So he calls us to repentance. And when we truly repent and our soul is yielded at every given moment... Even when you are not aware, when you are not praying, when you are not worshipping, there is a flow. You go to a place and then the Holy Spirit will quicken himself from within you. Like Jesus, he will walk through town and Bible says he had compassion. And then the Holy Spirit will just flow. And there was always miracles through him. Whenever Jesus Christ, everywhere he went, he was doing good. Acts 10, 38 says, How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. He did that because his soul was absolutely humbled and submitted to his spirit. And the Holy Spirit who was resident in him had full access without any hindrance. Bible says he that God sent received the spirit without measure. The Holy Spirit didn't have any hindrance at all in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and that is a typical example for every child of God how Jesus lived his life he didn't live his life as God never he was God but he did not think it to be you know robbery to be equal with God he he humbled himself and took upon himself the form of a man and being found as a man he humbled himself and died went to the way of the cross think about it everything Jesus Christ did on earth he did it as man if he did it as God it would have been illegal because this earth is not the domain of spirits or gods it's the domain of human being so he came to show us the example this is how it's supposed to be like so we can pattern our life after him I don't know to what extent your soul has been humbled during these 15 days of waiting on God in fasting and in prayer. But if you are not yielded yet, let's use the next six days, trusting God to help us humble our souls indeed. To bring our souls to the place where we, our mind is now subject to the mind of Christ. Our will is now totally yielded to the will of God. And our emotions are infused with God's love and God's emotions. All right. Let me show you another scripture to confirm that prayer 
is what supplies the spirit. And I've said that not only prayer, when we worship, when we are walking about and our soul is subject to God, there's a flow. The Holy Spirit is always wanting, if there's any English like that, he is always longing to impart lies through us. Don't quench the spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. He is more willing to be a blessing than you want to be a blessing. But he will not do it if your soul is not yielded under the influence of his oppression in you. Okay, let me show you Philippians chapter 1. Apostle Paul was in prison and he wrote to the church of Philippi and he made some powerful statements I want you to take note in Philippians chapter 1. Let me take it from verse 14. You know, whilst in prison, he said to the church of Philippi, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In other words, when they saw that Apostle Paul was not perturbed, though he was in prison, they realized that, look, then we better also go out there and preach boldly. If they put us in chains, then we'll join him there. We'll be a companion to him. Verse 15, it says, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. Can you imagine? And some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. Wow. Verse 17, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. Verse 19 says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. He was talking about being delivered from imprisonment. Not delivered from any demon here. Okay. The King James actually puts it this way. I know that this will turn out for my salvation. Salvation is an all-encompassing word. And the New King James translators use deliverance. He was talking about coming out of prison. I know that whichever way, whether they were preaching out of pretense or out of love, this will turn out for my deliverance. It will turn out for my salvation. It will turn out for my release from imprisonment. Through your prayer, take note of what I'm going to show you. It will turn out for my salvation, my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. There's a revelation here. The revelation is that prayer, as they prayed, not only will their prayer bring his deliverance, his salvation out of prison, but also their prayer will supply the spirit of Jesus Christ. Have you gotten the revelation? So when we fast and our souls are humbled, when we meditate in God's word, read God's word, and our souls are converted, and therefore that leads us to repentance, when we are truly repented, and we begin to pray, there is a supply. Prayer is like, I hope you know, borehole. Borehole where they use a pump to pump 
water from underground. Uh -huh. Prayer is like that borehole that pumps the water from underground and then supplies the water. Prayer is what supplies the spirit. I know that this shall turn to my deliverance. It shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply. He was saying that your prayer will supply the spirit. I know that many of us love, love to pray, but it is beautiful when you couple your prayer with fasting from time to time. The man who, was, who wrote this, Apostle Paul, he actually spoke about himself and said that in fastings often, he patterned his life after Christ. Was he not the one who said that, follow after me as I follow after Christ? He knew Christ fasted. From the beginning, before he started his public ministry, and he couldn't have done otherwise. So if we're going to pattern our lives after Apostle Paul, who says he patterned his life after Christ, there is a place for fasting in the believer's life. Don't fast because you want God to do A, B, C. That is wrong. The things you are looking for, they are already yours. Bible says all things are yours. Second Peter says that according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. It's already available. So if your fasting is to fast and pray so that God will give you a husband, God will give you a wife, so God will give you a job, so God will give you promotion, it is too much of an underutilization of fasting and prayer. Your fasting should have a great motive and the motive is that I want to yield my soul under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And next week Sunday I will show you the scriptures to tell you how the Holy Spirit flows when it takes over our souls. At that level, you don't own yourself. And that is where most of us are afraid to get to. We are afraid that if we don't own ourselves, then God will say, I should go to Afghanistan. And maybe I'm not prepared to go to Afghanistan, so I won't yield at all. We are afraid that when we yield, totally yield, God will say, give this to this brother. Vacate this office and let somebody take over. But see, we are not here to do our own will. If there is any cause for anybody who is born again and is all around, it is so that we will live for the one who died for us. Period. Other than that, you got no business in this world. You better go home. Apostle Paul said that I am torn between two opinions. To either stay or to go. So there comes a time where a believer wants to go to heaven. Apostle Paul went through that also. I am torn between two opinions. I want to stay and I want to go. Then he said that for me to go is better. But for me to stay is profitable. He didn't say for myself, for you. Those he was writing to, he said that if I stay, it's going to profit you. But if I go, it's better to be with Christ. That's why he said, for to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Although death is not the only way by which we get to heaven. For some of us, we believe in a moment, at the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpets will sound the first time and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain at the second trumpet sound shall be changed from mortality to immortality in a moment within the twinkling of an eye. And together with those who rose first, we shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We are working towards that. We want to see his coming. 
Didn't he say, the same Apostle Paul, he said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. It's not everybody who must necessarily die before he goes to heaven. Some will see the coming of the Lord. And if there is any work we must do, it must, die, it must be that we must work towards his coming more than working towards death. Everywhere I go, even on Friday, I was somewhere and the same thing that everybody has an appointment to die. I said, no, 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 no. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. Sorry, it looks like I'm, di I'm digressing, but I'm making a point. He says, and just as it is appointed unto man once to die, but the preacher stopped there. And I said, no, he didn't. God didn't stop there. So he not said, everybody has an appointment once to die. I said, no, 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 no. And just as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that judgment, so Christ was once offered. And unto them that look for him, shall so he appear the second time without, without sin for salvation. In other words, when he comes the second time, he's not come to deal with sin. He's come to consummate salvation in our physical bodies. And there must be a looking for him. There must be a looking for him. Unto them that look for him. If we are not looking for him, we will not see him. There must be that consciousness of looking for him. Philippians 3.20 also says that our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that he may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. There must be the looking for him. In Revelations, I like it when he ended by saying that, surely I come quickly. And the response of the church should be, Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. Let's not work towards death. That's not my ministry. God never called me to work towards death. He called me to work towards life. To prepare a people ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will not change that vision. Every other person can do whatever they believe God has called them to do. But there must come a generation that will say, Hey, it's not compulsory that we must die before we go to heaven. It's not compulsory. Because death is an enemy. The Bible says in the same first Corinthians 15, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And when Christ shall come and we shall put on our glorified body, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Why shouldn't we walk towards that? Why shouldn't we walk towards that? It's like I'm preaching a message in another message. But I don't know who needs this. I allow the Spirit of God to flow as he wills. Because he can be supplied also through the communication of the word. Alright? He sent forth his word to heal and to deliver. And Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So for all you know, what I'm preaching, which I didn't plan to say, the things I just said, are meant for somebody who needs to understand that we must work towards life instead of working towards death. Don't work towards death. Okay, fine. If peradventure, in the midst of working towards life, your, your time is up. It's like God says that, okay, you have done your portion, come home. And you go through the doorway of death. No problem. But that shouldn't be your longing that I want to die and go to heaven. It's a wrong prayer. Because why should you embrace an enemy before you can now meet your savior? Why shouldn't you long to see the savior instead? Even so, come Lord Jesus. This is a generation that is not looking for that. We are looking for everything else. Except even so, come Lord Jesus. That's why we are repenting. So that we can truly focus on the things that matter to God. 
Because God wants to have room to operate from within me and from within you. Listen, anybody, and I mean anybody, can be used by God. If he or she so allows. Anybody. That is why oftentimes God will not go for the elite or for the one that believes that I program myself, I prepare myself, I did this. No. He just goes for the humble. The soul that is yielded. The soul that is available. The soul that is sold out. Sold out to Jesus. When he gets room, may his soul rest in peace. R.W. Shambach. R.W. Shambach said, somebody came to him and said, that, will, will God use me? He said, God. R.W. Shambach told him, God, when he gets you, he will not just use you, he will squeeze everything out of you. <laughs> yes. When God gets you, you will feel that, hey, as for this one, I can feel that God is really using this vessel. When the Holy Spirit takes over, you'll be amazed that you who thought you were nothing, you have become an instrument in God's hands. You who thought that you could not speak, you will stand before a great crowd. Thank God for virtual crowd these days. And you can talk to millions of people at the same time. I'm, I'm prophesying to somebody right now who feels unqualified and you feel that you must go to this school and get this degree and get that before God can use you. I'm not against school. I'm not against degree. I'm not against education. I, I am educated. I am not against that. But I'm telling you that in the name of Jesus Christ, there is something about after all the school, all the degrees, it's about time we yield our souls. Yield your soul under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Let him take over. Next Sunday, don't miss next Sunday's message. Holy Spirit, take over my soul. That's going to be our, I may not preach much because everything we're going to do, I have already preached it from 2nd to 9th to 16th to today 23rd. So, if we're going to practice even a night of refreshing from 28th to 29th, then by Sunday, it shouldn't be preaching. It should be now. Now that we are entering September, by, 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 by 30th of August, we are about entering September. Take over my soul. So that our work with God from the next month, September, into October, November, December, will be truly a reflection of a year of great awakening indeed. It's not too late. Please don't disqualify yourself. Don't feel that you have not done much to qualify. We don't even need to do anything. We need to just accept what he has done. It is finished, he said. So embrace it and live in the light of his finished work. He is faithful. You heard a song uh, uh, that was sung earlier on. You are too faithful to fail me. Even when you become unfaithful, he ever remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So anytime you call, he will hear. He will answer. What a faithful God. Prayer supplies the spirit. When we couple it with fasting. Because fasting has humbled the soul. Opened the door for the Holy Spirit now to flow unhindered. And he flows not only as rivers of living water. Mind you, we have seen in John chapter 7 verse 37 through 39 as he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But there is another picture in Isaiah 9. Let me quickly, if I read from the New King James, you won't get a picture. Let me read from the King James. King James talks about Isaiah 9. Okay? 
You know Isaiah 9 from verse 6 into 7 spoke about Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This will happen during the millennium, during the thousand year reign of Christ. Is that okay? One day we can go back to those teachings and emphasize them more. So to tell you that in context, I'm putting Isaiah 9 in context. He was talking about Christ. But before verse 6 and 7, look at verse 5. In the King James Version of the Bible, he says, For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. All the warriors until Christ, their war or warfare and battle was in, you know, was in the flesh. It was against flesh and blood. You see garments rolled in blood, confused noise, chariots. Every battle of the warrior. Then said, but this. Now to tell you what we refer to as this, then you go to verse 6 and 7, then you realize that you are talking about Christ. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. The battle of our Lord Jesus Christ is not with flesh and blood. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. That's our battle. It is spiritual, not physical. It's not carnal. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Our battle is not flesh and blood. It's not against human being. That human being may be an agent of Satan, but that's not your actual enemy. That may be a vessel, just like you can make your vessel available for the Holy Spirit to use. Somebody can also make his heart available for Satan to use. Even Peter, after he had, by the Spirit, said that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said that flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. It was given by my Father. The next verse, you find Jesus Christ rebuking the same person who was used by the Holy Spirit. Said, Get behind me, you Satan. So you see, the man was used by the Holy Spirit and in the next breath, he was used by Satan. Come on. Alright. So, every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this, the battle of our Christ is with burning and fuel of fire. What does that tell you? It tells you, by revelation, it tells you that the Holy Spirit flows as rivers of living water when he is dealing with the kingdom, when he's dealing with building and constructing and making progress. But when he's dealing with the enemy, he doesn't come as rivers of living water. Is he going to impart life to the enemy? No. So he comes as fuel of fire. Never forget what I've just said. I wish one day God will open your eyes that when you are praying, especially when there's a burden for warfare in your heart and you are praying, you will catch the revelation of what you're dealing with and you will see the kind of fire that is proceeding out of you. It is fuel of fire. Listen, we are not ordinary. We are not, we are not ordinary. When we are praying, it may sound noise in the ears of those who are in the flesh. And in fact, those who are disturbed spiritually by our prayer, they even create the mockery. 
because they know we are disturbing them, but they won't say we are disturbing them. They will say, oh, don't mind them, they are disturbing. Meanwhile, they know that spiritually something is hitting them. It is called fuel of fire. So the Holy Ghost is manifested when we pray, okay? Either as rivers of living water or as fuel of fire. Depending on what he is out there to deal with. If he is for the kingdom, and dealing with things of the kingdom is rivers of living water. That is where you can be placed in the wilderness and you can turn the wilderness into a fruitful field. And the fruitful field shall become a forest. That's by the spirit. But if it's dealing with demolition of structures built up by Satan, he doesn't come as rivers of living water, but as fuel of fire. Remember, prayer is a faculty, but there are different departments. We have intercession, supplication, prayers. You know, we have warfare. That's why I said that fasting and prayer are two different departments under the same faculty. The faculty is, let's say, prayer in general. But there's a place for prayers. All kinds of prayers. Intercessions. You remember 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says, I exhort therefore the first of all supplications. Prayers. The word prayers there has to do with all kinds of prayers. Some for the brethren, some against the enemy. But not against the brethren. Don't do that. You'll be hurting yourself because we are of the same body. Hallelujah. I was going to show a scripture. My time is up, but let me show it all the same because you need it to understand why we need to couple prayer with fasting. I hope you know the man we are partnering our life after, Jesus Christ, who began his ministry with fasting in Luke chapter 9. Bible gives us a picture. The man had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. I hope you know that. And in Luke chapter 9, he, here the Bible talks about prayer. See what his prayer did. So you can learn after him. As you fast, add prayer. If you are not able to add prayer immediately, so fast, ultimately you will have the time to pray. Hallelujah. Luke 9, let me take from 28 to 31 and I will round up my message. 28 through 31 talks about Jesus Christ who have spoken some things. And then verse 28 says, Now it came to pass, about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. Where did he go to pray? I mean, where did he go to the mountain? What did he go to the mountain to go and do? To go and pray. He went to the mountain to pray. Verse 29 says, As he prayed, Oh, Karabashata, when you go to a place to pray, pray. I wonder why we go to prayer meetings and then we go and do something else other than prayer. He went to a mountain to pray and as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. His face was altered. And Bible said, and his robe became white and glistening. Did you see that? The glory on the inside burst forth. Until his face began to shine. And even it affected his robe. The garment he was wearing. Thirty he says, and behold, two men talked with him. Who were Moses and Elijah. Come on. These are spiritual encounters. That is to tell you that whenever you couple prayer with fasting, you enter the realm of the supernatural. Thirty one says, who appeared in glory. Come on. Moses and Elijah appeared. These were, Elijah went alive to heaven. Moses had died and only God knows where he buried him. But how they appeared, it took 
a man who fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and added prayer to have this kind of encounter. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his disease. They spoke about his death which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Can I add verse 32 downwards? You'll be amazed. Look at what happened. 32 says, But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. Jesus Christ. They were heavy. The man was praying. They were heavy with sleep. This was not the first time these men were heavy with sleep. In Gethsemane, when it mattered most, when Jesus Christ wanted Peter, the same Peter, James, and John to tarry with him in prayer. Whilst he was praying, Father, if it is your will, let this car pass over me. The Bible says he came and found them heavy with sleep. So don't feel guilty if you are the first person you go to prayer meeting and you find yourself sleeping. But we must wake up because this is a year of great awakening. <laughs> But Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory. I pray that whilst others are asleep and we wake up and pray, your glory, the glory of the Lord upon your life will be seen. They saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He even knew who the men were. Not knowing what he said. In other words, he was just talking rubbish. Bible was very polite when he said, not knowing what he said. The man, what are you saying, Peter? You were even heavy with sleep. While Jesus prayed, you were heavy with sleep. You got up and you are talking about, let's make tabernacle for you. In other words, it's okay for us to settle here. Let's not go anywhere. We can build a ministry. Ministry of Jesus Elijah Moses International on this tabernacle. Three tabernacles, then we will become the porters. Oh, he didn't know what he was saying. He was talking nonsense. But that's what happens to a man who is in the flesh. I pray that God will bring us into the realm of the spirit. I pray. I know that we were supposed to have prayed because you can't talk about fasting and prayer without praying. But I will leave you to pray on your own at home. Not forgetting in the evening, we will do the prayer. Okay? In the evening, we will not talk much. We will pray for one hour, 5 to 6 p.m. Run up our, our day 15 of our times of refreshing. Then we can continue on Monday morning, which will be the day 16. So, let me just allow you to just get ready because... I know in the evening also we will break the fast with the Holy Communion. So kindly get your bread materials or your wafer materials, your pastry materials and your non-alcoholic wine ready. In the evening we will do that. But I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that in these times of refreshing, if you have not heard anything at all, if you have not heard anything at all, hear what the Lord will tell us next week Sunday. It is all about the Holy Spirit taking over our soul. 